Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Roslin Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. Ella Mills, aka Deliciously Ella, is my guest this week. She's a phenomenal and determined woman who has had a fair share of successes and failures and she discusses why and how both are vitally important. Her life and that of her wider family over the past few years has changed beyond recognition. She talks so openly about those changes in her family, her business and her life. Even though I've interviewed Ella many times over the past seven years, I was truly blown away by her passion and honesty. I have all of her books on our shelves, including her excellent new book, How to Go Plant-Based. I do hope you enjoy listening to lovely Ella. Don't forget, you can keep up to date by following and subscribing, please, to the podcast, where a new episode is released every Monday. Leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. And whilst you're there, why not leave us a review? We love to hear your thoughts. Now, on with the show. This makes me so happy to see you, Ella, because the last time we saw each other, you were pregnant with your first baby. And I swear that was about two weeks ago. I know, it feels like it. And she just turned three a few weeks ago, which is just mad. And then I had a kind of secret pandemic baby. You did tell, it wasn't really a secret, no, but, but it, it was. But, but you, I didn't really see anyone because I was about eight or nine weeks pregnant, I think. I ju- really just found out I was pregnant when we went into lockdown. And then obviously, especially at the beginning of COVID, you know, when we didn't really understand what was what, there was a lot of advice for if you were pregnant to kind of effectively shield and stay at home. So I lay very, very, very low. And I didn't really see anyone. And then she was born and she was born in October 2020. And we, for a few weeks, it was fine. Then we had that November national lockdown. And then I think we had sort of two weeks in London where we're based before, do you remember the cancelled Christmas? And we all went back in. So basically she spent her first six months in lockdown. So I went in eight weeks pregnant, which no one even knew about. And I came out with a a six month old. (laughs) But it's so weird. It's like a a strange time warp. But so your kids never had that, that... baby mother meeting other mums and babies thing no they didn't really have any of it um do you think they felt it a lot of people say that babies are quite clingy yeah it's interesting I think we were we were maybe lucky in the sense of 
Well, lucky, not lucky. I went back to work in some capacity when Sky, who's my older one, was four weeks old, which was it was awful. Um, don't get me wrong; it was really difficult. I'm not kind yeah, of yeah, but you're right. You're celebrating it, but yeah. exactly yeah. needs must. And so, but I would take her to work with me loads. And so, for the first seven months of her life, she actually was so out in the world all day, oh, every day. Okay. You know, traveling around London, all kinds of noises and different people. So I felt quite lucky that she'd had kind of quite big exposure to the world before her world got so small. And then May, she was man. Yeah, she really struggled when we came out because she'd spent six months. She'd literally not seen anyone else. You know, she'd met my mum kind of once or twice. Mm. Um, and she did find those first few months really hard, but it's kind of come out of it the other side. But Sky started nursery just when we came out of lockdown as she was turning two. And she found that very, very difficult. How was she about it? She's all right now. Oh, my God. She loves it so much. Um, we took her back for um, for the new term a few days ago. And I was like, are we... We're either the best or the worst parents, but we're definitely not in the middle of this continuum because all the children were really upset to be going back and like wanting to stay with their moms and their parents. And Sky was just standing there saying, I can't <laughs> wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, and just ran in. But that's fantastic. So I was want. thrilled, I was thrilled, but I was also like, oh, should she miss me a little bit? I know, but you know what? Spend Even now, mine are uh, much older, 15 and 21, you still think all of those same things. Oh, I bet. Never stops. I bet. Never stops. So you, I'm talking of never stopping. So the very first time we met, you hadn't launched your range. So you just had your blog and I think you, it was your first cookbook. I reckon it would have been maybe the first cookbook. So when was that? So that would have been early 2015. So kind of wow. seven and a half years ago. You've done so much in that time. Yeah, it's honestly... I mean, nobody... In the nicest possible way, of course people knew you, but you hadn't become... And I'm going to use the word... Very fluidly, and I hate the word, but celebrity. Oh, you hadn't become well known. Let's use that word um, for everybody. And it's it, the change. So it's actually quite fast. Yeah, it's been. I kind of feel a little bit like we've been in a washing machine yes. for seven years. I mean, also on a personal level as well, because on, you know, I just met my husband, my well, my now husband at that point when yeah. our first book came out. We were engaged by that summer. We were married within that a year. That all went very quickly. Didn't so it? quickly. Yeah. And we decided that we'd start the business together. He quit his job, came in as CEO of Deliciously Ella. And the plan was really for me to keep building the brand and the mission and kind of the concept. And he would build the actual business behind that, which is what we do now. It's very much divide and conquer. So we've been doing that. We've launched over 40 products into like six different countries, almost 10,000 stores across the different countries. But um, and we've opened a restaurant and we have opened three cafes, closed two of them, turned one of them I into know. a restaurant. All the of whole this is thing. just incredible. Six books, a podcast, you know, you kind of the most ridiculous amount of professional things and probably too many things. But then on a personal level, we've also had two children. We've moved house three times. My parents got divorced and both repartnered up. My husband lost his mum. You know, we've kind of gone. It's just it's been fast forward kind of on like 30 times you know when your sky remote goes really 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 fast it feels a bit like that's been the last seven years you know it, i mean that sort of blown my mind because so when like i said so you just had your first cookbook out you weren't married and then you the next time i saw you suddenly you i mean it was only about a second later you were married and you had the business and i met you and your husband and then the next time it was you had the cafes i remember going to the one and then, yeah, and as you said, it closed. But but I remember going there and, and contacting you and saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. Are you ever going to stop? And literally, no, there no. is the answer. 
But that's great. It's I mean, amazing. It's so enthusiastic. I mean, I love your enthusiasm for life. I didn't mean it. It's so enthusiastic. I love your enthusiasm for life and your husband. And you, you're very, you're, you're not goal driven. You're sort of world domination driven. It's not. You don't just have one goal. You just go. Come on, let's see. We can do this. We can do. We can. And I love that of you. I, I respect that of somebody that doesn't just say, right. We're we're focusing on just one thing. Definitely, and I think it's. It's a really interesting one. I mean, I remember Matthew saying it when we got together and he was looking at what I was doing at Delicious Liella and it was that moment where we went from very niche online to suddenly existing in the mainstream. And he's always said it and I I don't think I kind of understood it as much at the time, but I really, really believe it now, which is that, you know, quite literally opportunities don't grow on trees. Like you get these moments in your life where there's an opportunity and it's terrifying often at times and it requires massive compromises and big decisions and you kind of have to go for it or it's not going to come around again and I think that was very much our sense you know lots of people say why have you gone so fast you know why don't you just stop doing this or stop doing that people say that to you oh all the time people say you should stop well you know and I met especially when our children were born more so sky because with May it was lockdown but you know you shouldn't be back at work I mean it's everybody with their opinions yeah it's a kind of wild concept that in itself but it is this thing that you know you're so lucky in life when you've got an interesting opportunity you could run after but you do have to run after it and I always I'm really keen to say that because I think also people look at businesses and brands and they think oh that's great it is so relentless and you are constantly running and I do think in that sort of example like you either go forwards or backwards you can't stand still um if you stand still you go backwards that is just the reality and so I think it has been it's you know we've been so lucky to have an opportunity like we've had so you say if you if you stand still you you go backwards for you 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 didn't stand still but some things did fall as you just said and you're very open about all of that as well and there's the whole um and in America they're far more congratulatory about failure what mm. the, that you know I, I mean i think that word obviously has negative connotations you didn't fail that what that part didn't work maybe but they salute it and they say you learn from that do you are you of that school oh my gosh i think this idea that you go through life and don't continuously fail is absurd and i don't just mean on a professional level i just mean generally personally and professionally we all collectively get so much wrong. That might just be tiny decisions, like not bringing an umbrella and being soaking wet or big decisions. But I do think this idea that we should constantly succeed is just absurd. You will it's, it, A, it's impossible because if you're going to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and try something new, you there's no way to get it right every time. Um, so I think accepting that is really important. I do think, I think it's a Reed Hoffman quote, but Matthew remembers saying it right at the beginning and it's true. It's something we've both really lived by, which is that if you are going to fail, you should fail fast. And I think that very much goes hand in hand with accepting that failure is an inevitable part of the process. And so always be on the lookout for it. Acknowledge when something's not quite right and then change direction. Because if you keep saying, I'm not going to fail, I'm not going to fail, I'm not going to fail then you often get so deeply entrenched in the problem that you end up failing on a more epic proportion because you're so stuck that you haven't pivoted and you haven't changed and then you get to the end of the road. 
See, I think that's such good advice. I mean, for anybody who's starting up in a business or actually anything. It's anything Relationships, in life. whatever. Exactly. I totally agree. I think that's so applicable to all aspects of your life. If something's not right, it's a very difficult thing to call it. But the sooner you call it, the better. It's, I can't really think of any example where that's not the case. And I don't just mean like quit and give up when the going gets tough because you've got to get through that as well. And your life can be incredibly difficult again both personally and professionally but I think you know when it's not just a difficult patch that probably has a solution when actually you've made the wrong decision Did, were you always like this were you like this as a child obviously I mean you know it's there's no secret your background and uh, your family and and your husband's family but were you brought up like this through the family or was it something that you found when you were ill we'll talk about your illness in a moment but where did that come from it's a really interesting question. We've actually at home been talking about it quite a lot in how the way we were brought up has kind of shaped us, especially on a professional level and our outlook on what we do. Because um, I think we have realised that we've had to get back up a thousand and one times. And it's, you know, there's definitely days where you think, I just don't know if I can do that one more time. And obviously, again, you know, we've had kind of three once in a generation events in two and a half years between lockdowns and COVID, Brexit and now hyperinflation. And and that's obviously not easy by any means. And I think it's interesting. So as you said, it, it's no secret, my great, great, great grandfather started Sainsbury's and it was my grandfather and his brothers and his cousin. They were the last people of the family to work in the business and they took it public. And I mean, that was, this was decades before mm. I was born. But I think there was this entrenched, and very subconscious belief that actually the impossible was possible. And I think it's really interesting. And and my dad, you know, grew up in a, you know, quite challenging background, didn't have any money or anything. He was the first person in his family finish, to finish school. And he went to Cambridge, got a double first, ended up a politician. And he met my mother-in-law because they were both in the cabinet together. And again, she you know not not had the easiest background and had made this incredible life for herself and and was a um, minister in um, Tony Blair's cabinet and I think we both just had this sense that like things that feel quite impossible clearly are possible um, but no one ever no one talked about it in that way but I think it created a kind of quite subconscious belief it must be yes it it must be there it's sort of entrenched in your in your parents and and in his parents I, I love the fact because they were opposite on opposite sides, weren't they? No, they worked together. They, they were worked in the together. Labour government together. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were on. Uh, My dad started dad, off in yes. the Conservative Party. He was Conservative originally. And then over um, various different policies, but fundamentally at the end over gay marriage, he and and, it, and different um, challenges in the policy there, he crossed the floor. So yeah, that, that is, that's what I was talking about. That, you know, they were opposite i was right then they were yeah. opposite sides and yeah. then they and the forward. bill that that was connected to was actually amazing someone then gave him for his wedding present because he married his husband this year so it's really Aww. really sweet but anyway so yeah there was this, there was this kind of unwritten i actually haven't talked to my parents about it but we we both have realized maybe that's has shaped us more than we realized so before. you've never had that conversation with your parents not not about, yeah, this sense of, because I think that's what I've identified it as, because I do think the mentality that we've probably had to have over the last seven years is thinking outside the box again and again and again and again and again and again and believing that we could take a tiny blog and turn it into a cafe and then we could turn it into a line of food products and then we could have an ambition to become the largest plant-based you know, food company in Europe and then we could launch in Switzerland and we could launch in this and then we could do this and that yeah, and the next thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of absurd to some extent. No, it's not absurd. 
But it's out of the box, right? I think yeah, okay. it is, you know, I'm not I'm not going to get a conventional job. I'm going to turn this blog into something. This was before that was a kind of normal industry, yeah. effectively. And I, 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 that I haven't talked to my family about. But I think that's how the two of us have kind of deduced it. But, but also your families, as you say, they came, they worked hard. They came, uh, you know... They, they got to where they wanted to get to. And the determination, I think that's a word I'd like to use. I I love the word determination. Mm. I don't think it's used enough, actually. Oh, you see. And people give it a negative thing. People always say, God, you're very determined, aren't mm. you? And I knew what I wanted to do when I was very little. I go, yeah, but I don't think determined doesn't mean you have to hurt people. And I don't, you and your husband haven't gone and elbowed people out the way. Your dad, you know, he crossed the floor. He didn't, he, it, all of those things, there's a determination to mm. do the right thing, to try. And you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not doing it because you're saying, oh, you know what? We want to be really rich and we want a big house and that's all we want. You're doing this because you actually passionately care about food and you care about people being healthy. So it's, it's I'm going to use determinate. I'm handing you that word. Yeah, no, I love that word. And I, I actually totally agree. And it's um, people often ask that, like, what's the motivation? And especially because, as I said, you know, owning your own business, it's, it's really, it's relentless. It's really difficult. And you'll have days where you think, oh God, we're going bust or, you know, this problem's unsurmountable or, you know, so on and so forth. And I think for me, the determination definitely comes, as you said, from that kind of deeper sense of purpose and mission. And that's what keeps me going. I think this sense of, you know, obviously I changed the way I lived and it changed my life. And I think that sense that you could do that for someone else gives you a determination and a motivation to push through even when it feels quite tough. See, I, okay, let's, because you're paying it forward. So let's talk about, it was POTS that you had. Mm. Now, for people who don't know, um, I know a, a young person who who has it and is struggling and I've handed over all of your books. Oh, thank you. Uh, and, and I know that they are feeling a lot better. So explain what POTS is for people who don't know. Yeah, of course. It's Postural tachycardia syndrome. Um, so I was diagnosed with that in 2011. Um, and I was at university and I was like, living a normal life. And out of nowhere, I became very, very ill and spent a while in and out of various different hospitals, seeing all sorts of different consultants, you know, neurologists, gastro gastroenterologists and endocrinologists, neurologists. It just sort of went on and on. And I had MRIs and endoscopies and colonoscopies and ultrasounds and wake up in hospital to a post-it note saying nil by mouth. And, you know, because they were running the next series of tests. And this went on and it went on and no one could understand what it was and went through a multitude of different possible diagnoses before we finally landed on what it was. And it's characterized um, by a dysregulation of your autonomic nervous system. So effectively, and it, it does bear similarities, I think, to long COVID. It's the first time I've been able to liken it to something that I think people can relate to to an extent, which is that it's largely invisible, which I found incredibly difficult as a 21-year-old because you can't, it's not a disease most people had heard of or an illness most people had heard of. And um, and you couldn't see it for the most part. The only thing is I had really chronic stomach issues with it. So I actually looked more pregnant when I was ill than I did when I was about six and a half months pregnant with Sky. So that was the thing that you could see. Um, but otherwise I couldn't control my heart rate. So I'd sit down, my heart rate would be normal and I'd stand up and it'd be 180, 190 automatically. Blood pressure drops with that. So you become chronically dizzy. 
that you lose your vision, um, you can black out. Um, I had chronic fatigue. I had chronic infections. I spent three and a half years with a continuous UTI. I used to have, um, I got ended up with scarring from it. I used to have to go to hospital for antibiotic drips. I think the longest I spent off antibiotics in that time was about 48 hours. And then I had chronic headaches, chronic pain, basically you name it, I had it. And I was on steroids. I was tried beta blockers. I tried antacids. You know, I was on That's, 20 medications a day at one just point. heartbreaking at 21 and going through this for, as you say, three three years, three and a half years. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I guess that... Psychologically, it must have really played with you, mental health wise. It must have been... So much. And so at tough. the time, I don't think I realised almost the extent to which it was happening. You know, I do remember very clearly being at my home, my dad saying, you're depressed. You know, we now need to deal with that condition as well, effectively. You know, we need to take, you need to go and see someone, you might need more medication. And I remember being so hostile to that because I was like, I can't, I just can't take anything else. Like, don't tell me anything else is not working in my mind, in my body. I kind of, I was so dejected. I was so kind of given up on life at that point. But in retrospect, it had a kind of catastrophic um, effect on on my mental well-being and I think interestingly looking back on it I think it actually has taken me so much longer to recover mentally than physically you know I after about three three and a half years I came off my medication I was very stable have been ever since which is amazing but I would say it took me a lot lot longer to build up a sense of self-esteem self-worth self-confidence of not feeling other so it's been an interesting experience that Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I, it's, what's so interesting is seeing you all those years ago and then seeing you now, the difference is it is quite quite extraordinary. I mean, it's there's a like you're really there. You're grounded. Mm. You know what you are and what you're doing. And before it was there, you know there was you were timid. Of course, you know we. I remember talking about that, saying you're putting yourself out there, and you seemed quite timid. And now it's that determination side again. I'm going to use that word again. 
Yeah, no, you, and you're absolutely right. And I think it was interesting because I started Deliciously Ella as a way of teaching myself to cook and, and changing my lifestyle to try and help me, which obviously it, it has. It, it Look is. At you. So, wow. hooray. But I never started it to exist in the public space. Yeah. I never started it to create a business as such. And I, you know, I was so young and I'd basically been on my own with my mum for all the time before Deliciously Ella took off. And I was doing it for my parents' kitchen. And it was a very personal project in that sense. And then suddenly it exploded. And, you know, that would have been when we met, yeah. kind of early 2015. And I'd gone from writing in my parents' kitchen in the safety and a kind of almost anon anonym anonymous nature. I can never say anonymity, but <laughs> no one knowing who I was effectively. And I could, you know, I just did that for my parents' kitchen. It felt safe. And suddenly I was, you know being talked about rather than being mm. talked to you know kind of had pick up across the whole of the media landscape of the UK you know got invited to come talk to you on your radio show and so on and so forth and I had zero prep or readiness for it but that was coupled with the fact that I also had been coming out of an ex time of like such extraordinarily low self-esteem and self-worth and self-confidence that you know I just I just wasn't ready for it and I did have a moment that summer, kind of six months after the first book came out and, and things had kind of exploded where I, I had really, really crippling anxiety and I, I felt like I couldn't go out of the house. I really struggled with anyone ever recognising me or because you'd notice people would sometimes notice you and then they'd talk to their friend and whisper. And just... Oh, it's tough. It's, I just couldn't really... I, Nothing I really prepares you for that. Yeah. And I think because I was coming at it from a kind of quite mentally... I hate using the word weak, but just a, a challenging mm. mental stance. I also didn't have that kind of like self You didn't have the armor. Yeah. Exactly, all the yeah. tools to deal with it. And it happened so, so fast. Um, and I really wondered if I did want to keep going and, and if this was what I wanted to do with my life because it was one of those moments where I could have easily quit and just gone and done something else. But I really felt kind of, you know, I was hearing more and more from people saying, this is making a massive difference to my life. This is changing my life. So I, I did continue um and obviously I'm thrilled that I did but it's I, I been a big that. kind of yeah personal I I, I so I you, you why you should remember but I but I remember so you'd been on the first time and then I bumped into you somewhere and you were have you were very anxious and you said I don't know if I can do this mm. I can't remember where it was I, I it might have been your I can't remember. Yeah, it might well have been. And 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 I just I remember giving you a hug and saying to you, "You can do this." And you went, "But nobody, nobody told me that this is going to be like this." And and I'm, I think you know, you were you were very much you felt that you were that you shouldn't be where you were. Mm. And how did you get to where you were? And everyone was talking about you. And we and we won't mention the the particular newspaper because I hate that newspaper. Uh, and that particular newspaper had, had written something, and you said, "Oh, but why did they write that?" And I just said, just... Yeah, you just you got just to let go. Let go of all of that. So now all these books later, all of, the, all of the products later, the most important thing, before we actually talk about your new book, which I love, I have it open. It says corn and... Oh, you see, it's my favourite. Corn and polenta spring onion fritters, which I've made. Oh, oh very yeah, good. That's why it's open. But all of that, the fact that this actually did make you well is the most important thing. So yes, you, you, your anxiety, all of the things and your family and your kids and all of that, of course they're important, but you made yourself better. So people have got to listen. It's now, please listen, food can make you better. Food can make you ill. So 
why are, why isn't everybody just doing this? Oh my gosh. I just goodness me. I don't even know I don't even know how to start answering that question. It's um kind of the crux of my yeah, life really. It really is. Which is that we're in this impossible place almost as a society, which is that you know, 60%-ish of our calories as adults are from ultra-processed food. And, and it's more, it's closer... 60%? Yeah, but it's closer to 70% in children. One in five kids get their five a day, one in four adults, you know, we get about half the fibre we need, etc. You know, and we see this now, you know, we see the crippling effects of the way that we live our lives on the way that we eat, but also the fact that we don't move and stress levels, etc. you know, beyond just our, what's on our plate you know, in this chronic rise in lifestyle-related diseases, oh, on the crippling effect this is having on our NHS. You know, you you know, you know, see every day a new piece in the newspaper, you know, yesterday running three times a week reduces your risk of cancer. You know, today it's artificial sweeteners and heart attacks or, you know, whatever it is. We know, no one can argue at this point. I was on a panel at another newspaper f- festival last weekend, which was an extraordinary experience of, phenomenal mansplaining and misogyny and um i will you name surprise me i will name no names i can guess the newspaper somehow it was um it was an, it was an economist you know very very successful and respected economist who was sitting there arguing that there was no data whatsoever that an unhealthy diet impacts our health and costs sorry it, it was extraordinary Gabby. Oh it was honestly my. extraordinary but he was so aggressive in his conversation i ended up just sitting in silence because i just thought this is mad but anyway it is, you know, we have reached this impossible tipping point where the way that we eat is effectively dire. We have a cost of living crisis that's only going to make this much, much worse. We have a government that seems to have absolutely no interest whatsoever in tackling it. And I think with the move that we've got at the moment, we're going to go even further away from that to... Oh, they don't want to tackle that. They don't want to tackle climate change. They're all interrelated. I mean, it's absolutely Yeah, shocking. and I, you know... I think it's just, I just don't, I just don't really know how to some extent we turn the tide except for the fact that we, we've got to. And I think the only thing I take as a positive is I think more and more just everyday people are engaging in these conversations. They are interested in it. You know, 60% of children in the UK are either vegan or vegetarian or would like to be and a huge amount of that's for environmental reasons. So I do think there's a lot of hope in a younger generation actually trying to change the status quo. But, you know, I think that it's conversations like this, it's the work that everybody collectively does to try and make healthy living, whether that's what you're cooking at home or the way you're exercising, just a bit more accessible, a bit more plausible, a bit more enjoyable, a bit less daunting. You know, and we have seen that change. You know, the world does in that sense are very different than it did 10 years ago, which is great. But I think the biggest challenge is, is that it's very difficult to talk about this and it's very difficult to have these conversations and be honest about the reality of our Why? health. Why? Well, I think, the you know, there's nervousness of cancel culture and there's, you know, a kind of political correctness and, a you know, a wokeness of, of saying the wrong things. And, and I do think that plays a really big part in it, um, which, which is interesting and, and, and really difficult to deal with. I, it's well, I, I have I mean I've banged on about uh, been banging on about health and nutrition for 26 years when dad was diagnosed with bowel cancer mum had lung cancer and I so I wanted to learn everything I mm. could about what we're putting in our bodies how we exercise all of those things and 
And that's, as I said, 26 years ago. And I would say it's only in the past six or seven mm. years that people haven't laughed in my face. But I've always said this and, you know, we got a lot of criticism kind of a few years after Delicious Yellow really started, you know. For oh, the clean living thing. Yeah, yeah, for, you know, healthy eating being this terrible curse that, oh, <laughs> that we were sake. spreading. And I just find it so fascinating. And at the time, I just didn't, you know, come back to what we were talking about earlier. I just didn't really have the confidence to kind of, you know, I did did kind of come out against it to an extent, but I wouldn't have had the confidence to do what I would do now. But I think there is this extraordinary irony is if what we were doing was making baking books about double, triple chocolate cakes and telling you to like, you know, eat more processed cake and, you know, all the rest of it. We would have, I would have no problem. I don't think I would have had any criticism if that's what I was doing. If I was like covering things in sprinkles and jelly babies, I just, I just genuinely, genuinely had on heart, do not think I would have had any of the criticism that I've had. And I think that is a, a real problem. Like we do collectively really struggle with being told we need to eat better, but we do. You know, I think if you look at the narrative in the media, that that is fundamentally the case. And I do think it's important to say, and again, it's not something I would have said in the past, that criticism is almost unilaterally, unilaterally directed at women. You know, every piece of criticism that I've ever had is almost always grouped in with other women. And, you know, for example, we've never actually talked about weight loss. I'd never go near it. It's a terrifying subject given cancel culture, etc., but, you know, we've been criticised for all manner of things, whereas men in this space whose whole career is about weight loss have never been included. It's very interesting. Lovely Dale Pinnock, who I'm sure you yeah, must have come Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's wonderful. And um, he's uh, he was the medicinal chef, as he, as he is known as well. Um, but he talks about all of this so openly. And I bet he doesn't get the abuse i've never seen him included in one of these Amelia articles Freer, right? now i don't want him included i think he's fantastic yeah. i massively yeah. respect him yeah, yeah. Just absolutely oh, gosh, yes. a caveat but i just mean again there's kind of no two ways around the fact that it's almost always women about. attacking women and i do think it comes back to the fact that it's so challenging because to your point about why can't we change the way we eat such an emotive and personal and nuanced topic that is very linked to our obsession with the way that women look and their aesthetics. And I think the challenge is, is you basically can't detangle any of this. And so I think when we talk about the way we eat, we often take it as a personal assault as opposed to something that's kind of more generally applicable and absolutely nothing to do with us as individuals. God, this is fascinating. Um, I, so I do love your book and we will talk about it. And this isn't, you're, you're not on this just to, to plug this book, but I want to talk about it because I love it. Uh, as go plant-based. Uh, what's so nice about this new book is, um, and as I said to you when you were on the radio show about it, the recipes are simple, easy, not expensive. And I think because we're all facing this winter is going to be very difficult for a lot of people, but it's, they're really flavorful, but they're very family friendly. So it's like you've, this came out and you didn't know that we were about to be going into what we're going into and it's perfect timing. Yeah, no, obviously had, had no idea, but I do know that again, like I think there, there are clear barriers for people in trying to change their diet and trying to eat healthy, uh, healthily. And I think, you know, we know from what we see at Delicious Yellow, number one is time. And yeah. things just, yeah, yeah. you know, taking forever. And so that was something I wanted to kind of tackle. Number number two is the fact that I think healthy eating, 
you know, has exploded over the last decade, but it has exploded hand in hand with the kind of wellness industry, which is fundamentally and can be quite confusing and filled with a lot of gas, gasmos and gid, uh, sorry, gid, uh, gizmos and gadgets. Gizmos. <laughs> it can be filled with a lot of gizmos and gadgets and just expensive things, you know, £90 a month sup- green powder supplement type thing. Oh my gosh. And so yes. I think trying to show people that that's, that can be what what's healthy and if you like doing that that's that's no judgment on it but what fundamentally we all need to do is eat more carrots and potatoes and lentils and so i think for me really stripping it back again in this book i love it so let's make it flavorsome but then equally let's let's make it a plausible thing which is that when you don't have much time you're coming home from work you can get the ingredients at tesco's or at sainsbury's you know the local store on your way home and make these things in relatively short amount of time. Yes, exactly. And anyone can make these. And you could do it with the family. But also you've got experts in there. I mean, you're an expert anyway, but you've got a whole bunch of... I mean, it's really... It is... It's a really, really good book. And what was really nice um, is that I saw... <laughs> I saw my youngest daughter, my 15-year-old, who's vegetarian, out of choice. Um, uh, she says she didn't want... And she's not vegan, uh, but she's vegetarian. And my oldest daughter has... Will only have... Um, uh, she has chicken and it's free range and organic. So they're very, they do, I mean, they do have a mum who does go on about it a lot, uh, hopefully in a nice way. But I saw my 15 year old looking at your book and she was flicking through it. She went, and she, it was, oh, oh, look, I'm going to make that tonight. And I love that. And mm. that's how I think cooking with the family, because we all are lacking time, I'm I'm the same as you. I run everywhere. I, I absolutely do. It's like running to the next thing, running to the next thing. But if we can just find that time to do something as a family, that's also really valuable because the conversations are around uh, at the at the table together, those moments of being together or cooking together. And actually, I, that's what this book's about. I hope that's what you meant. Oh my I, gosh, it's exactly what I meant. And it, it is. And we, um, that was the blessing of lockdown, actually, is that we had dinner together every yeah. night. And it was just when Sky was starting to eat. And, you know, literally, we had dinner with her every single night at five o'clock, which is also my favourite thing in the world. So much better for you. <laughs> so good. Um, but um, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it was really interesting as well, to your point about cooking together and notice, she's so much more curious and willing to try things if we're eating together. Yeah, perfect. Well, congratulations on this book. And the, the products, it, it, you're, you are everywhere, as you say. It, okay, let's just forget that you've had the past seven years that when you go into a shop and you see your products, do you get a threat? Do you just think, oh my God, that's us? Yeah, on it, I know it's, I, I really do every time because you just can't quite believe it. And I think it's kind of twofold the reason. I think the first is, it's just extraordinary and it's so exciting. And it's, <laughs> you're like, wow, we did this, we made this and it's got our name on it. But I think the second thing is also almost, I think I'm continuously surprised by how interested people are in this topic now. You know, I think that is that as well, which is that you just, you'd never have seen, you know, plant-based products on shelf in this way 10 years ago. So I think it does mark a nice change in in direction. Your your balls in the nicest possible way, your hazelnut, those, oh my God, I have to stop. We have them at home. Uh, I love them. But there we go. The hazelnut ones and the almond ones. Yeah. They just, they feel like you're being really naughty. But they've got like five ingredients in them. Just delicious. Anyway, this isn't an advert for your products, but I love them and I do eat them. Thank and I you. think you're gorgeous. I really do. And and I love that you're you're still out there and you're doing what you do. And don't let any stupid idiot stop you doing what you do. Just carry on doing it. 
Just oh, do it. Thank you. Thank so you. lovely to see you. You always need to hear that. So thank you. No, I so appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up next week, the wonderful stand-up and actress Kerry Godleyman. We talk about Trigger Point. We talk about Whitstable Pearl. We talk about the reaction to her in the streets. And of course, we talk about Ricky Gervais and Afterlife. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly presented to you by Cameo Productions with music by Beth Macari. If you wouldn't mind, could you give us a like, a follow, a subscribe and please leave a review? We read them all and love to see what you've got to say. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.